Welcome to Down with the Wokeness. It is Friday, September 18th, and uh, I wanted to dive into what's going on with Joe Rogan, the world's most successful, arguably, podcaster right now. And he is in the middle of a shitstorm started by the corporate press, and it's because they're treating him as if he were a journalist or a politician, for that matter. They are fact-checking conversations that he's having, uh, extended conversations, two, three, four-hour-long conversations. And uh, I want to backtrack a little bit and just talk about this, because in the last hour from when this is being recorded... Joe Rogan put out a statement on Twitter, which is very rare. He rarely, if ever, actually puts out statements. Um, he, he'll usually just mention something in the next episode that he records, or he'll post something on Instagram, and I think that automatically moves uh, uh, posts to Twitter and, and links to Instagram. But... Um, what he did in yesterday's episode was mention that the some of the forest fires on the west coast of the United States, uh, specifically in Oregon, were being started by left-wing people. They were actually lighting uh, fires uh, in the Oregon area, and I think he used the phrase left-wing people. He might have said leftists. Um and uh, so the corporate press decided this was something to come after him for. And over the last 24 hours or so, there have been uh, a number of mostly very left-leaning corporate press publications that have been reporting on this. Joe Rogan repeats debunked claim that left-wing people are starting Oregon wildfires. That's the Washington Post. Joe Rogan condemned for falsely blaming Oregon fires on left-wing activists. That's Newsweek. Uh, so what's actually happening? Well, there is at least one report of someone who uh, created a Molotov cocktail somewhere in Oregon and threw this to start a fire. Um, and he, this is the article that has gone around because it's very clearly someone who's unhinged. Um, you can definitely categorize this person in many ways as the Antifa people you've seen in Portland for three months straight who are lighting buildings on fire using the exact same tactic. So um, the the idea of this being um, an outrageous reach for Joe Rogan, you know, as if he was saying Joe Biden is lighting forest fires, um, I... I that's clearly not what this is. This, this. Uh, now that said, it is inaccurate. I expected Joe seeing this to mention it on his next podcast and just say, you know, I only saw the one article. It seemed like it was the same people that were, you know, doing a lot of the rioting, rioting, and the arsons in Portland over the last three months. And uh, you know, I, it, but you know, it's hard to get information. Plus. You know, there's these these uh, uh, now citizens that have been trying to make arrests of people who are 
appearing from forests where there are fires starting to happen. So you've actually had people, I mean, this is a big enough issue in Oregon. I think 10% of the state's population was uh, notified at one point that they should evacuate because they're not sure if they will be able to contain it. And, um, you know, this happens to be around the, you know, we're what, a week or two away from some of the biggest uh, mess of Antifa riots in Portland, including um, one of the Antifa uh, self-identifying 100% Antifa people who is armed with a rifle shooting a uh, right-wing uh, protester. I think protester is a fair term. Um, who also, I believe, had a weapon on him, but um, but you know, this is coming off of that. This is the guy that then the the you know did an interview with Vice that was very flattering of him and uh, justified what you know his murder of someone else as something provoked by the right. Um, and so you have this clear imbalance. And the battle lines that are are being drawn now between the corporate press on one side, um, again, I'll introduce this idea of the cathedral, which Michael Malice, the anarchist, uh, coined um, or at least popularized last year in his book, The New Right, which I can't recommend enough if you want to understand what's going on and how things, uh, different sides are aligning against each other here. Um, but his case was there is the right is is a conglomeration of a lot of different groups that are all working together more or less because they see a threat on the other side of um, some socialist and communist control, which is not uh, unwarranted, uh, especially in the coronavirus lockdown era. And beyond that, the cultural uh, war, the, the culture war, as it's been referred to for years, of this uh, w- that's evolved into basically wokeness versus open debate and logic. You know, those are kind of the new lines is the people like Joe Rogan that will have a conversation with someone who's controversial. They are unacceptable because they are just by the f- fact of them sitting down with someone who has a bad view on something. Joe is delivering some, you know, hypothetical listener or viewer of his podcast into the uh, hands of the, you know, violent neo-Nazis is the idea just by having a discussion with that person, regardless of their ideas, whether some of them are good or not. The idea is some things are so bad that we shouldn't allow anyone to discuss them. Now, the problem with this, and Joe Rogan's right at the middle of all of this. Um, I want to talk about his Spotify deal in just a second also. But the problem, of course, is that when you eliminate those conversations, um, you have the people who would previously start to have open discussions about some of these issues, they disappear into this little niche, this little shadow hole of the dark web and start to only associate with themselves. And it creates a bubble that no one else is aware of. And then you can start to see these pockets of people. I mean, look, you can look at uh, 
Alex Jones now in a lot of Infowars. Well, the left right now is obsessed with this new growing um, movement, and I, I would debate how how influential or big it is right now, called the QAnon movement. And the idea here is, you know, there's this big conspiracy and Q is at the center of this. And, uh, you know, there's these information drops that happen periodically. And basically, it's very conspiratorial, not to say it's a conspiracy theory, but the whole thing is predicated on this idea that there's this conspiracy happening now. And, you know, at any moment, there could be this huge, um, you know, movement this, you know, people being arrested for all kinds of crimes. And there's a lot of things that all line up behind the QAnon movement. Coincidentally, a lot of the, or maybe not so coincidentally, a lot of the people that are really passionate about the kind of early stages of this QAnon movement are the same people that are big, have been big InfoWars people for years. Um, viewers of InfoWars. I, I always had some trouble with Alex Jones because, yes, I think he has called some things very, very accurately. But it's been difficult for me to sort out the fact that, you know, 90 percent of the time, maybe even more than 90 percent of the time, he is not quite right. Um, he's he's outright wrong. I apologize. I just got a uh, note um, that I have to respond to. I'll silence that for now. And um, and so you have this this group of people who have been banned by every major platform, being the Alex Jones listeners and the Infowar people, um, that audience who has been told that their opinions are unacceptable for the mainstream. And does that make those that those opinions just go away? No. They find a new pocket to operate in. There's several websites now that Alex Jones and Infowars operate where they have a more loyal following than ever that pays them money directly. And all of these people are evangelists for this kind of underground thing. And now when Alex Jones says that there's this grand conspiracy and they're trying to silence us, he has a point because that's exactly what happened to him. And um, it's given this new energy to a group of people that otherwise might be more or less laughed off for some of their opinions if they were in the mainstream and 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 the mainstream thought about things logically. Well, Joe Rogan, of course, has had a lot of those people on his show. Alex Jones, um, a great example of this, but also people like um, Milo Yiannopoulos uh, Gavin McInnes. Um, these are also people who have been banned from uh, the every social media space that exists. And um, when Joe moved his podcast over to Spotify, for some reason, many of his 1,500 episodes that he's done that are on YouTube, uh, many of those w did not ever appear on Spotify. And you know, there's a, a long list of um, of these guests that was compiled by a lot of Joe Rogan listeners, and it found that the missing episodes all seem to have something in common. It was Alex Jones. It was Milo Yiannopoulos. It was Gavin McInnes um, and a handful of other people as well that um, all have 
been kind of in this area of too controversial to allow them to speak on any social media platform. So you have most of Silicon Valley that has banned these people from participating in anything. Now they all have their, you know, paid platforms that they have, they speak to their audiences on. It hasn't at all um, made them go away. In fact, it's, it's arguably made them into entrepreneurs and, uh, and made them more money and more influential, at least with the people that are now seeing their message um, because those people are paying money to hear it because they think it's so important instead of just seeing, you know, a video here or there on YouTube. So I want to bring this all back to what Joe Rogan is, is, uh, in the middle of now, all of these, uh, corporate press entities that hate him, both because he represents a different style of information, um, that is much more authentic and because he quote platforms certain people with dangerous ideas and therefore that makes Joe a you know white supremacist uh, right wing you know all the all the magical words that they use to dismiss someone well yesterday's podcast was mostly it was with uh, with an academic named Douglas Murray who I can't recommend enough uh, it's on the September 17th episode uh, it's a two hour conversation they were talking a lot about the uh, evolution of wokeness and what this movement um, has come from and is leading up to and how we're going to uh, try to confront it in in one way or another. And it's very level-headed, um, but relevant to, I think, listeners of, of this uh, uh, podcast you're listening to now. I will put it, please do follow us on uh, Twitter at down wokeness. Um, and, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and retweet this there so you can see that. But, um, what Joe said in response to these articles coming out about, you know, and this is all happening at the same time, of course, you know, there's just a, one of these articles said employees at Spotify, have been coming out asking for Joe's show to be banned. Of course, he signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. He claimed it was a licensing deal, so it wouldn't at all change uh, the type of guests or any of the content that already existed. Uh, they would just let him do his own thing and have no direction at all uh, on what he should or should not be doing. And uh, so right off the bat, when his shows go live on Spotify and it's missing all of these episodes, you know, 30, 50 episodes, um, however many it was, you know, several dozen, and they all seem to be a certain type of controversial figure, um, there's something weird going on. And and Tim Poole pointed out, this is an exclusive deal that Joe has with Spotify. So while they can you know they could spotify could theoretically say joe you do whatever your thing is but if you interview gavin mckinnis or alex jones we just won't put that up and because your deal with us is exclusive then you can't put it anywhere else so that effectively is censoring what joe uh the people that joe rogan can speak to um, and the conversations that he can have on his own show. So there is 
a problem here. And I sense that there will be more tension here, um, but especially because Joe was at the center of, you know, one of his guests suggesting that Joe Rogan moderate a presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And Trump immediately, you know, quote tweeted this because that's the way that that Trump uh, uh, communicates with the world and said that he would totally do that. And so a lot of people have been saying, I want to see this happen and including some Joe Biden supporters. But most of the corporate press has been saying Joe Rogan is completely ill-suited to be able to be a moderator because he's already expressed uh, that Donald Trump is is better than Joe Biden on certain things, even though Joe has also said the, the most um, damning things about uh, Donald Trump as well. But, um, but he said that, you know, Joe Biden seems like it's a, it's a, he's a flashlight with the batteries dying. And, you know, why would you want that to be your opposition to Donald Trump? And, you know, I think that's a fair case, but it doesn't sound good if you're on the left, especially if you might be doing a debate. So I highly, I'm very skeptical of the possibility of Joe actually hosting a debate, much less a four-hour one. That's not going to – I don't even think Trump would want to do a four – he probably could, but I don't think he would want to do a four-hour sit-down debate with Joe Rogan. Joe Biden just finished last night. He did a town hall on CNN that barely went one hour after Trump did one um, yesterday that was – uh, pushing, you know, it's an hour and a half or two. And um, it was actually very surprising because they build this as a, you know, big event where Joe Biden's going to interact with the people. And a lot of the people asking questions are people who Walker. previously had worked for the, you know, administration in some capacity. And um, so, you know, I, I I think that what is happening now with Joe Rogan is largely because the uh, political left is seeing him as a threat. And if people start seeing Joe saying, I want to have both these guys on my show, and it's something that might hurt Joe Biden's chances against beating Donald Trump, then they're going to say Joe Rogan is evil because all of these things. Uh, I don't think it's coincidence that all of these Spotify employees really started going and complaining about Joe until after this comment was made. So this is all people trying to um, trying to essentially cancel Joe Rogan. I don't know if it will work. The CEO of Spotify already said, we've reviewed this. We've had 10 different meetings with 10 different groups of people. I assume these are special interest uh, groups of some kind that are saying we're concerned about, you know, Joe Rogan's transphobic comments about male fighters not be able not being able to call themselves female fighters and pummel uh, women uh, in the, in the, in the ring. Um, you know, th those I think are debates that are worthwhile and you see how popular Joe Rogan is. And it's because he is willing to talk about certain things. 
That said, Joe Rogan is not perfect by any means. I don't think he's the champion of free speech that a lot of people assume he is because people tend to think of it in binary terms and tend to think, oh, they're coming after Joe Rogan, so I'm on Joe Rogan's side. Yes, but remember, Joe Rogan is just a guy who has conversations with people he thinks are interesting. There's no more to this. He's not an activist. He's not a journalist. His job isn't to do anything other than put on an entertaining show and you know chat with some people however he wants to chat with some people. And really, I think his, his uh, approach is interesting because it's kind of the, you know, Joe Rogan stoner uh, level of of uh, of intellect, which is he finds, you know, certain interesting little ideas to be um, super, super engaging and worth exploring and and is not quite as interested in the intellectual debate about, you know, the way that, um, that things are happening. He's a little more interested in like how they work and isn't it cool? And that's fine. I mean, again, he's not an activist here making a political statement, trying to win over millions of people to some cause. He's just Joe Rogan having a conversation with someone. You can't fault him for that. But when he comes out and he says, Spotify is not going to do anything to my podcast, I'm going to keep running it the way I want to run it. And then he uh, starts to get all of this pressure from people at Spotify. I'm very glad that the CEO of Spotify said they reviewed everyone's complaints and didn't find anything that uh, violated their uh, content policy. However, for the next thousand shows of Joe Rogan, do you think they'll be able to find something that violates the content policy? And if they do, then what? how's that going to be dealt with? We got a hint about that uh, just about an hour ago. And I apologize for being long-winded through all of this. Um, I, I just wanted to give you the backstory on Joe Rogan and his transition from YouTube to Spotify. Right now, he's on both, but at the end of the year, it'll be Spotify exclusively as part of this licensing deal. So any other conversations he does with someone else are going to have to be on a different platform or on his own website that he's is going to have to build or something else like that. So what... Um, and please do like and subscribe this podcast down with the wokeness. If you're enjoying this, follow us on Twitter at down wokeness. Um, and, uh, it all helps us grow. I was encouraged to see, you know, a lot of our, our early listeners now are starting to enjoy this already. After a few episodes, our numbers are climbing and I really thank the first people who have, uh, been with us for the first few episodes for being a part of this and um and and spreading the word because um i want to try to go places that very few other podcasters are doing right now which is the reason that i started this and it feels like we're starting to tap into that a little bit and so i'm so thankful to to see our numbers starting to climb um so joe rogan today on friday uh just about an hour ago puts out a statement and he says uh 
I fucked up on the podcast with Douglas Murray and said that people got arrested lighting fires in Portland. That turns out to not be true. I was very irresponsible not looking into it before I repeated it. I read one story about a guy getting arrested for lighting fires. Turned out to be true. But the other shit I read about people getting arrested for lighting fires in Portland was not true. I repeated it without looking into it, and it was a really fucking stupid mistake that won't happen again. I'm sorry. That from Joe Rogan. And and this is why I don't think he's the free speech hero that a lot of people think he is. Um, he should have said, whoops, I made a mistake. He doesn't need to say, I fucked up. I was very irresponsible. I didn't look into it. I'm so sorry. I repeated it without looking into it. It was really fucking stupid. It was a mistake. It won't happen again. I'm sorry. All Does that seem like overcompensating? That's not the way normal people speak. That's the way someone speaks when they've been on several calls with their bosses at Spotify that say, Joe, we're taking a lot of heat for this and we need you to do something about this. And Joe, and maybe regardless of the future of his podcast, maybe they're saying we're not even debating taking you off of our, our uh, platform, you know, but in Joe's head, if this happens enough times without him addressing it, they might pull the plug on his show. And maybe he'd even get to keep his hundred million dollars as part of this deal. But the exclusivity means he wouldn't be able to do his show anywhere else until after this term was over. So there is a something kind of hanging over Joe Rogan's head now, these these corporate overlords that he's having to appease. Well, the interesting thing about the reaction to this tweet, Twitter is such a cesspool of information. Everyone responding to this, I shouldn't say everyone, most people responding to this say uh, something to the effect of, well, I'm glad you apologized and admitted this, but the fact that you did this in the first place caused irreparable damage to this country before an election, and now you're guilty of you know, helping Trump out. And this is why... You never apologize to the left. Never apologize to the left. Never do it. Even if you're guilty of something, you do not apologize to the left. They are not happy with an apology. They want blood and they want you dead. And if you if they can't end up with you dead, they want you in the most submissive role possible and all of your power for all of the rest of your life and your career, they want it destroyed so that no one else would ever even think about making a similar mistake. Now, how reasonable is it that some people might see someone setting fires in uh, on the West Coast, in, in Oregon specifically, with a Molotov cocktail and uh, say, huh, that seems kind of like the Antifa thing of them setting buildings on fire with a Molotov cocktail. Now, look, it's it's as far as we know, and there there is not much information about this. So the idea of this being fully debunked is not quite true either. But the evidence doesn't point to this necessarily being the same people. 
It is a strangely similar tactic, this Molotov cocktail thing. Um, but it could have, you could have had totally different people come up with, uh, uh, you know, a way to set fire to a place as, as, and then both coming to the conclusion that Molotov cocktail is the way to go. However, to an outsider, this seems like a very similar tactic in the same place. You can understand why some people might make the assumption that this is the same group of people, ultra left-wing rioters that are destroying things and trying to create damage in order to win over some political points and uh, totally bankrupt a police department in the case of downtown Portland with all the damage and all the police officers that have to come out every night to try to battle this. And uh, you can understand why some, some guy who's not a journalist, who has a podcast, who's having a conversation with someone, why he would think that this is the same group and why I think it, it would be reasonable but not required for the next episode of his show, him to say, oh, I actually thought that was the same people. Turns out it wasn't. So I just wanted to make that clear that we don't know for sure. Okay, great. That's way more responsibility than you even needed to take in the very first place here. Um, but what's, what's most interesting is the way that Joe has completely given in on this tweet. I, uh, I really, really hope that he doesn't, um, do more to, um, appease these leftists because there will be no appeasing them. And that's the whole point of this show, uh, is we are not appeasing the people who refuse to have a debate or a conversation. Those people are the enemy, and we have to confront that and deal with things logically. That'll do it for this episode. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends, all of that good stuff. We will see you next week or over the weekend. See ya.